Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome, 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 everybody. So glad you're here. So glad you made time this weekend to be here because this is one of those messages that's extremely practical, extremely easy to apply. So I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right in. We're in part five of six things that Jesus said. And in order to set the stage for this weekend's teaching, I want to go back to the book of beginnings. Can anybody tell me what the book of beginnings is? If you're watching online, type it in there. What's the book of beginnings? Genesis, Genesis. And we see that God, in in the book of Genesis, we see that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. At the end of each, each creation event, he declared it to be good. Amen. He created a garden. He put everything in that garden that man was going to need to thrive. He created Adam in a state of righteousness. Adam had no need to become born again like we do because he was already created in righteousness. What does that mean? He was already created in right standing with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he put everything in that garden. Then he brings Eve along. And both were in right standing with God. Nothing stood in between God the creator and man the created. And, and, and they enjoyed right standing in that relationship. You're going to hear me talk about that a lot. Right standing. What does it mean to be in right standing? Well, let's just say that you and I have a relationship. Let's say you were involved in a relationship with someone. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, there's a falling out. Have you ever had a situation? Probably nobody, nobody that I'm speaking to here today has ever had a situation where you, you had a relationship with someone and then there's a falling out. And there's that weirdness. How many, how many of you hate that weirdness? Like, you know, if they're going to be in the same place you're going, you're like, I don't know if I want to go, and I don't know what kind of reception I'm going to get, and they're thinking the same thing, I don't know if they're going to even talk to me. What happens? That is not a state of righteousness. You are not in right standing with each other. But then somebody comes along as kind of a mediator, and maybe they come to you and say, hey, what's going on, man? You guys have been friends for so many years. You've been, you've been so close together. You, you've shared so much life together. Why, why don't you just get over this offense, get over what this is, and then... So then, then he goes to the other person and he goes, hey, come on, why don't you just forget about this thing and just forgive one another? And, and then you come back together in relationship. And so then you are in right standing with one another. Amen? Amen. And that's basically, I just described to you the message of salvation. Jesus comes along and he brings the two parties together through the cross. Amen? Amen. So Adam and Eve, at that point, before they sinned, before they fell, Adam and Eve had learned to trust God for all their needs. They were created in, a, in, in an environment where all they had to do was trust God. God supplied everything for them. And really, for existence itself. Then something changed. Just like what I talked about just a moment ago about a relationship. Something changed. You heard something about that person. Well, that person heard something about you, and it starts to get weird. And they ch- something changed. Another voice began to exert influence in their lives. That was the voice of the liar, the voice of the devil. And Eve began to believe that voice. She started speculating in her mind about God. About, is it true? Is it possible that God really, really isn't who he says he is? It really doesn't love me. Is it possible that he really has not 
has not given me everything that I need. Because the devil insinuated that God was withholding something from Adam and from Eve. And eventually she believes that lie. And in effect, when she believed that lie, what happened? She disconnected her faith from God. I want you to see the mechanics of this thing. She disconnected Adam and Eve, both of them together, because he believed it too. He ate the fruit too. And what did they do? They disconnected their faith from God and they placed it in the enemy. They believed the lies. And when you and I believe the lies of the devil, whether it's about our self-image, whether it's about our, our self-worth, whether it's about uh, our health, whether it's about uh, your marriage, your relationships, your finances, whatever it is, whatever pertains to you, every time we start believing the lies of the enemy, what we're doing is we're disconnecting our faith from God and we're placing that faith and connecting that faith with the lies of the enemy. And they will eventually manifest. So Adam... Adam followed her into this thing and sin entered the human experience. And along with sin came death, came poverty, came fear, came all self-consciousness because they believed a lie. And let me just tell you this, okay? Ever since that day, ever since that day, ever since that moment when Adam and Eve decided that they were no longer gonna trust their creator, that they were gonna put their faith in the lies of this serpent. Ever since that day, God has been wanting to get man to reconnect our faith in him. All God has ever wanted from that beginning is for us to trust him, for us to put our faith in him, for us not to try to live our lives spinning our wheels, trying to be good, trying to be good, trying to be good, trying to just, you know, my own willpower. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna think this way anymore. I'm not gonna act this way anymore. How many of you found that it doesn't work? It doesn't work. Amen. Our salvation is not dependent upon what we do. It is completely dependent upon who we are placing our trust in. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we see this. And again, I'm setting this up, setting this up. Because part five is going to be about faith. And we're going to get there in a second. When Adam and Eve fell, when sin was allowed to come into the earth, I want you to make this connection. All of a sudden now, Adam and Eve can no longer just depend on the ground to produce on its own. No longer is everything just going to go smooth for them. Why? They invited sin into this equation. And so what happens now? Now, if it was you or I, we would say, well, you made your bed, sleep in it. You did this. You brought sin into the world. You brought death. You brought sickness. You brought disease. You brought poverty. Now you're going to have to put up with it. It's your fault. But God's not like us. How many of you say, thank God? Thank God. Come on, come on, come on. Thank God that he's not like you and not like me. And so his first thought towards his children, his creation, is a thought of compassion and a thought of mercy. And he institutes what eventually becomes a sacrificial system where an animal dies so its blood can be shed so that the sins of mankind could be covered. But that's not all God did. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that each one of us have been given the seed of faith, the measure of faith. Amen. Now, up until this point, 
Adam and Eve didn't need to exert or to assert or to display or to demonstrate any kind of faith. Nothing was contrary to their existence. Everything's going their way. Everything's flowing their way. Everything, everything they need is provided for. They don't have to sweat. They don't have to work. They don't have to do anything. All Adam was supposed to do was protect that garden. Now, all of a sudden, there's adversity coming into the human experience. All of a sudden, now, there's a force that's been allowed to come into the earth that is contrary to the will of God, contrary to the ways of God. And contrary, when, when anything is contrary to the ways of God, they are contrary to the ways of man. Because God has created us in his image and in his likeness. So when, any, when there's ever a force that is contrary to God, it is contrary to man. And so instead of leaving us in that state, instead of leaving us as orphans, instead of leaving us behind enemy lines, God releases the force of faith. Why? Because faith overcomes the adversity of the devil. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 4, I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Bottom line. I'm going to read it again. Thank you. I'm going to read it again. And I don't want you to take this as a maybe. I want you to take this as a statement of fact from the Holy Spirit. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. I, we should have got bigger. I hope those people online right now are just typing in there on that chat section with like about five different exclamation points. Okay? Fact from the heart of God. If you were born of God, if you are born from above, if you are born anew, I don't know how much more, how many other descriptive terms I can use here. If you are born again, if your spirit is alive unto God, the scripture says you are victorious and you overcome. Amen. Not an if, it's not a sometime. God says, as far as I'm concerned, you're born again, you have the victory. You're born again, you're an overcomer. But you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't know what you're going through. But you're going to have to exert some faith. When you come to that place of trust, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but it feels good. When you, when, you, when, you, when you start exerting, asserting, exhibiting, demonstrating, releasing faith, you become victorious. You become an overcomer. You are not getting, getting rolled over. You are the one who overcomes the enemy. So the message we hear from Jesus all throughout the, his ministry on the earth is this. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Well, anybody say, well, what is Jesus all about? Jesus is all about love. And he is. But there's no way to demonstrate that without faith. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians that love is the fuel of faith. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to slow down. Slow down. Slow down. So part five is based on a very familiar statement that we hear from the lips of Jesus over and over and over again. You ready for this? Your faith has made you whole. 
I'm going to say it again because I want you to get I hope this hits you. Like, have you ever had something that just like hits you? Like, I hope this hits Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. And most of us, I, I, let me throw this out. Let me throw this. And most of us spend our life, oh, God, I need you to do this. And, oh, God, I need you to, oh, God, I need you to heal. I, God, God, I need you to prosper. Your faith has made you whole. But, God, I got this thing, and I got this pain, and I got this. Your faith has made you whole. Okay? Your faith. You have faith. It's been deposited in you. Every person that's ever been conceived has been given a seed of faith. Well, how much is it? How big is it? In my opinion, I believe it's whatever you need to get born again. The faith that you need to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that God raised you from the dead. That's how much faith you got in you. You have it in you already. It's in you. Turn to somebody and say, it's in you. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, one of my favorite portions of scriptures when you were talking about miracles. Now, it's, now follow me here, follow me, get in the picture here, okay? We're talking about a woman who has had a hemorrhage, a flow of blood for 12 years. Not 12 days, not 12 months, 12 years this woman is suffering from a hemorrhage. And had suffered many things from many physicians. Not only is she sick, but she's gone to every quack, hoping to get healed, hoping to get, re hoping to get some relief. And it says, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, look at verse 27, because here comes the mechanics now. We're going to understand. If you follow me, you will understand how this woman received complete healing after suffering for 12 years. When she had heard about Jesus. Step number one. When she had heard about Jesus. Step number one. When she had heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Follow this again. When she heard about Jesus she formulated in her mind she came to a place in her heart of believing what she had been hearing what was she hearing well it's not hard for us to imagine she must have heard about the time that he healed a blind man she must have heard about the time when a guy who was crippled jumped up and danced she must have heard about the time when somebody who was deaf their ears got open she must have heard about the time when he raised that 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 widow's son her only son who had died and leaving her without any support she must have heard about the time he raised that young man from the dead and presenting him back to his mother she must have heard that and she must have believed because her next conclusion was this man if I could just get to him. If I could just get to him. If I could just get to him. If I could just touch him. I don't, even have to, I don't even have to have him lay hands on me. I don't even have to have him pray for me. If I could just touch the bottom of his robe, I shall be made well. Amen. Verse 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood or the source of that hemorrhage was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now, what, that's going on with her. Now, what's going on with Jesus? Because he doesn't know she's in the crowd. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, 
turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see a multitude thronging you. You're like, are you kidding me? There's hundreds of people here. Everybody's trying to grab you. Everybody wants your autograph. Everybody wants to get in your face. And you're asking, Who's, who touched me? But his disciples said to him, the multitudes are thronging you. He would say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her had, who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. What'd she tell him? She said, I heard about you. I heard about the blind eyes. I heard about the deaf ears. I heard about the paralyzed cripples. I heard about the dead being raised. And I knew if I could just touch your garment, I will be healed. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, come on, say it with me real loud. Say it with me real loud. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Go in peace. Jesus acknowledged that this woman activated the healing because she was so desperately in need. She heard, she believed, she spoke what she believed, she took action, she received her healing. Are you getting this? Yes. Are you getting this? You see, because if we get this, and, and please hear me out, hear me out. Please hear me from the right heart. Please. For the believer, for the Christian, ideally, we should be receiving directly from God from ourselves. We don't need a middleman. Now, knowing, knowing that that's probably not going to be the case, Jesus says to the church before he leaves and ascends back to heaven, he says, go lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because he knew there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to be able to just receive for themselves. They're going to need to feel that touch. And, and there's something very therapeutic about that. There's something very healing in that touch. And most of the time, when, when anyone comes up for prayer, for healing, for sickness, for disease, whatever, we do what Jesus said. We lay hands on the sick, and we, in the name of Jesus, see them recover. But ideally, this is why Jesus was like, who is this person that just touched me? Because he knew within himself, somebody's here that has faith. Because there's faith, and then there's faith. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you need faith? Jesus acknowledged she activated this healing. She activated. Well, let me ask you a question. Is she a human being just like you and I? So if she was able to act... Now watch this now. She's not born again. She's not, nobody could get saved yet. No one could be born again yet. No one experienced a new birth yet. Why? Because Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. And yet, really for all practical purposes, she's still under the Old Testament. Jesus hasn't raised from the dead yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't come to the earth yet. And yet this woman, through her faith, was able to just zap the power of God right out of Jesus, out of his clothes. She didn't even touch his hand. And she got healed. And she got healed. Your faith has made you well. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Well, you know, Pastor, it was kind of different back then because, you know, they saw Jesus in person. She doesn't know who Jesus is. All she knows is this guy gets people healed. She doesn't know at this point that he's the Son of God. She doesn't know at this point that he's even the Messiah. All she knows is this guy gets results. I've heard about this. If I can get close to him, if I could just touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. Each one of us has been given a seed of faith. Now, we can either develop that seed or we can let it lie dormant and let it produce nothing. You catching that? You catching that? Those of you that are watching right now online, are you catching this? You have been given a seed of faith. It's been deposited in you, just like everyone here right now. It's, we have a seed of faith that's been deposited in us. Now, you've got the choice of what you're going to do with it. Every one of us has a choice. Are you going to just let it lay there dormant and not produce anything? Or are you going to cause it to just burst forth and go grab what you need and take hold of it? Amen? Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at some more of these, of these, these situations, okay? Let's look at more of these examples and demonstrations. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Jesus departed from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. So now, these two, they know who he is. And so they begin to speak from their heart what they believe. Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, here we go, I love this about Jesus. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? What's he looking for? He's looking for faith. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. There it is. There it is. You see the touch? Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them saying, see to it that no one knows. Keep this between us. They received their healing. Verse 28, remember this. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. He's looking for, are you, are, do you believe that he's able to do what you need him to do right now? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I pray, I pray that faith builds up on the inside of us that before we're done with this message that you're going to go from faith to faith Matthew chapter 15 you want a few more alright Matthew chapter 15 and behold a woman of Canaan came from that region so she's not a Jew she's an outsider came to that region and cried out to him saying have mercy on me O Lord son of David so well how come she's calling him son of David if she's a Jew, she's, she's not a Jew, she's an outsider because the Messiah came for the... No, the, no, they knew that the Messiah was coming not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. We all better say thank God. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. She must have been a teenager. <laughs> Acting out. But he answered her not a word. And his disciple came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said to them, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Look at verse 25, man. Here, what are we looking for? What are we looking for? We're looking for what? Faith. What, did Jesus, what was Jesus looking for in the two blind men? Faith. What's he looking for here? Faith. 
Verse 25, then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. She came and did what? She worshiped him. But he answered her and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh my God. Did he just call her a dog? You see, you see how shocked you are? He said, it's not, it's not right for me to take the bread that belongs to the children. He's talking, it's not right for me to take what belongs to the Jews. He, he's kind of like prompting her to see what kind of response he's going to get and give it to the little dogs, the little puppies. And she said, again, what's he looking for? Faith. Faith. Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. I'm telling you, I can imagine Jesus' face when she said this because you hear what she just said? You hear what she, she just said? They might need a whole loaf. I just need a crumb. Are you getting this? They might need a whole loaf. All I need is a crumb. And Jesus answered, said to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. What did he say? Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. My Lord. My Lord. What a statement of faith. Yeah, they might need a loaf. <laughs> I just need a crumb. Say that with me. I just need a crumb. In Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 17, 10 lepers approached Jesus. He declares them to be healed, but only one came back to say thank you. To that one, Jesus said, in verse 17, uh, excuse me, verse 19. So Jesus answered, said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. You catching this? Whose faith? Is it God's faith? Our faith. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't need him. We need him. Because that faith, that ability to trust and believe and stand comes from him. But he deposited it in you. It's deposited in you. You have to release it. You've got to activate it. How do we activate it? We see here, people activated it with their words and with their action with their words and with their action. She, see, the woman with the, with the, that was bleeding for 12 years, she didn't just sit in her house in front of the television every day going, I know if I could ever get in touch with this guy, if I could ever touch him, if I could ever grab the bottom of his robe, if I could ever get in touch with him, I know I'll be healed. And 10 years later, she's still on the, on the couch watching television, binging Netflix. Okay, I know if I could ever, if I could ever get there. If I could, and, and would she have been healed? No. But what did she do? She said what she believed, and then she took what? Action. Faith was displayed with these lepers when they went. He commanded them to go show themselves to the priest. And it says, as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. Whether they received their healing, when they were standing there in front of Jesus, as they went. Why? Because their action of faith was what? He told them, you're healed Go show yourselves to the priest. Why? Because under the law of Moses, a leper, if they claimed to receive healing, they had to go show themselves to the priest so that the priest could examine them and say, you're recovered, you're fine, you can go back into population. So now you imagine them, 10 of them. Go ahead, go, you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. Okay. 
would they have received their healing? No. What was their action step? They went. He said, go, you're healed. Go, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were healed. So who released the faith? Jesus? They did. Why? They, they activated their healing with the first step that they took. He told them to go. They went. They went what? Believing that what he said was true, that they were healed. One of them had enough sense to turn around and come back and say thank you. But they received their healing when they went. You getting this? Jesus is looking for faith. He expects us to have faith. He expects us to have faith. He expects us to have faith. It is not optional for a believer. The very title itself, we call ourselves what? Believers. Well, then what do believers do? Believers believe. Fish swim. Birds fly. Believers believe. Duh. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Again, he expects us to have faith. Why? Because we're believers. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now, I know I'm not... I'm not these are all very familiar instances from, from Jesus' ministry. But I'm tying them together to make this point. You and I have faith on the inside of us that needs to be activated. And when it's activated by our words and by our actions... We receive what, we, what, we're, what we're asking God for. Amen? So he tells them, let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat. Jesus is in the boat with them. And other little boats also were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. The boat's filling up. Waves are splashing over the sides of the boat. But he's in the stern, asleep on a pillow. <laughs> And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, you've heard me teach this before. Were they perishing? No, why? Because he said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. He didn't say get in the boat, but there's a chance we might perish. He didn't say get in the boat, but, you know, I looked up on my app, the weather app, and I don't know, there might be a, a storm coming. He said to them, get in the boat. We're going where? To the other side. So they woke and said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind. He spoke to the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. Now watch this now. What's the point we're wanting to make here? He expects us to have faith. He expected his disciples to have faith. Why? They watched him feed the multitudes. They watched him raise the dead. They watched him open up blind eyes. They watched him raise the paralyzed cripples. They were there every single time. They saw it with their own eyes. And yet here, they're in this boat. They have the opportunity to trust in what he said. And this storm that came has, has shaken them. So Jesus wakes up. He speaks to the problem. He speaks to the result of the problem because it was the wind that stirred up the sea. He speaks to the wind, then he speaks to the sea. And verse 40 says this, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? 
You want to read this with me nice and loud? Ready? One, two, three. How is it that you have no faith? Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think Jesus is an unfair person? Do you think Jesus is harsh? Do you think Jesus is like, no. Would he have expected them to have something that they didn't have? Of course not. Would he have rebuked them if he knew that they were capable of taking care of the situation themselves? They saw him speak to situations already. What was he looking for? He was looking for them to let him sleep, get up in that boat, and Peter or John or somebody else, James, anybody, even Thomas, they, he expected them to stand up and say to the wind, shut up to the sea be calm why the master said we're going to the other side are you catching this some of you look at me like oh come on you believe it worked they had the ability to speak to the wind they had the ability to speak to the to the waves when you're in the middle of a tremendous attack you have the ability within you to say, devil, in the name of Jesus, you stop that right now. Sickness, in the name of Jesus, you stop that right now. Tell you a quick story, and I gotta move on. I guess at this point in time, it's probably three, four years ago. Kidney stone attack. Middle of the night. My wife drives me to the hospital. Uh, anybody ever had a kidney stone attack? They claim that it's the male version of childbirth. Trust me, I've been through it a few times, okay? Vice grip on your side, you can't move, you're paralyzed of pain. Uh, you would pay anything, do anything to get out of that pain. So, so my wife brings me to the emergency room, I'm sending emergency room now. I'm already registered, they put the, they put the, the wristband on, and I'm, I'm, I'm in so much pain. Now I'm sitting there, thank God there's nobody else in there. It was one of those nights where nobody else is in the emergency room. Thank God, Okay. My wife got up to go talk to the nurse or somebody up there in the administration desk. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. Then all of a sudden I went, what is wrong with me? What am I, stupid? Why am I putting up with this pain? I went like this, in the name of Jesus, you stop it right now. I swear to you as I'm standing here, immediately, immediately, the pain just stopped immediately I wish I could tell you that was the one time it, it has happened to me on numerous occasions so, so I said to her come on we can leave she goes you can't leave they already registered you you got the band on I said let them take the insurance payment I don't care I want to go home no no so right at that moment they take me in they do the test what do you think they found nothing, nothing. but watch this now had I not come to my senses I could have been there in agony for hours and hours and hours and hours. That's you, you're the pastor. Honey, I'm a believer. Just like you are. You got the same ability. Why? Because you got the same word of God that you could speak. You got the same seed and deposit of faith on the inside of you. Amen? Start using it, and you'll start seeing it come to pass. Just like God expected the Israelites to have faith and trust in him, 
since they had seen everything he did in Egypt and seen everything he saw at the Red Sea, God has placed the ability in us to build faith in our hearts, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions by the word of God. The word of God builds faith in us when we receive it in faith. I love this scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Follow me closely. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. This is Paul writing this letter. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who what? Believe. Believe. How does the word of God work? When will it work? How will it work? When you believe. Now watch this now. He said, you received the word. The word has to be received. I've been teaching this now. For over half an hour, probably 35 minutes. I've given you the word after word after word. From Mark from Luke, from Matthew, from John. I've given you the word. Have you received it? If you receive it and you apply faith to it, then you'll take action. Look at this. Last, last portion of scripture. Story of Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they, Jesus and the disciples, came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bar Timaeus, which means son of Timaeus, Bar means son, Bar Timaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Why? Because when you're blind, that's about all you can do back in those days. Somebody would lead you in the morning, put you in a spot, come and get you at night, take you home. Now watch this now. Now remember the woman that bled for 12 years. He's, he's sitting by the roadside begging. Verse 47. Do you want to read those first three words with me? Ready? One, two, three. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Who, who, who? Get the blind guy. Call him. That guy over there, call him. And they call the blind man, cheer up. First they're telling him to shut up, now they're telling him to cheer up. <laughs> cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Verse 50. Those of you that know the story know where I'm going with this. Verse 50. What happens now? He's, he's been on the roadside begging. Just like every day. He hears that Jesus is coming. He begins to shout. He begins to declare who Jesus is. Jesus calls him. What does he want? What, why, why do you think he's calling Jesus? He wants to be what? Healed. Look what he does in verse 50. Look what he does. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus, now I can picture Jesus kind of like kidding around with him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said, the guy's blind. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What, what just happened here? What just happened here? 
Okay, the guy's blind. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. He doesn't do like he's done in the past where Jesus would go, get mud, spit in it, put it in the guy's eyes. No, why? Why doesn't he have to do that? Why does he not even have to touch his eyes? Because the guy displayed his faith when he did what? When he threw off that cloak. Why? Because the cloak that a blind person wore identified them as blind. So when you see this person coming down the street with this particular cloak on, with this particular material or color, you know this guy needs help. He's blind. If you're riding a horse or a wagon or something like this and you see this guy with that cloak crossing the street, you know he's blind. This cloak identifies him as blind. What does he do when he gets up? I ain't going to need this anymore. Bam. He throws the cloak aside. So Jesus already knows. So he wants to just joke with the guy. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. And, and you know what? I guarantee you when we get to heaven and we go to Jesus go, I want to see the rerun. I'll guarantee you when the man stood in front of Jesus having already thrown that cloak aside, when Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want to see. I guarantee you he already had his sight restored. Why? Because he took a step of faith. He believed that Jesus could do it. And he said, I don't need this anymore. Bam. And that's the kind of faith that Jesus is looking for, especially in these days. Amen. He's speaking to us even now. Your faith will heal you. Your faith in his promises. Your faith in his ability. Your faith in his willingness because it's already done. Because God loves you and loves me. He hasn't left us on this planet at the mercy of the devil, at the mercy of disease, at the mercy of poverty, at the mercy of depression. He's given us the force of faith so that you and I can overcome all the adversity of the devil. Amen? Amen? Your faith will heal you. Your faith will bring you the promises of God manifested in your life. You've got to speak them. You've got to talk like you have faith. You've got to talk like you have faith. Our faith is demonstrated by the words that we use and by the actions that we take. The woman that was bleeding for 12 years, she displayed her faith by what she said. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Bartimaeus displayed his faith by his action. He took that cloak that identified him as blind and threw it. I'm never going to need that again, he said to himself. Amen? Amen? I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that whatever you're going through, whatever adversity you're facing, whatever challenge that's in your life right now, you will allow the faith that God has placed on the inside of you to rise up on the inside and honestly get angry with what the devil's trying to do to you. Get angry at the storm that's broken out against you. Get angry at the adversity that's rising up like a giant in your life and just get in its face and say, I have faith in God Almighty. You are not going to win. I overcome you. You don't overcome me. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.